first reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. Salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your, salt, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And then from Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16, but the message version. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? If you've lost your usefulness and you've lost your usefulness and lend up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I have put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous in your lives. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Amen. Thanks, Janet. So Janet brought us the same reading twice there. Um, It was two versions of the same story. And it was the same story that I read from a children's Bible at the start of the service. The first one that that Janet brought us from the NIV, uh, making Colin work, but it it doesn't matter if you don't get it up there. It, It was quite forthright and straight to the point. It's really saying we have to do what we're here for. We can't hide away. But then there was the message version. Now, some people don't like the message version of the Bible because they say it's not as it was written. It's not as as it was written originally. It's been modernized. It's been put into simple language. And and I'm not sure I would only read the message version, Bible version myself. But what you can find with the message version is if you've read a passage, particularly if it's a passage that you perhaps don't quite understand, it can be a really good way of looking at it. I love the, in that version there, the instruction to shine. I think most of you probably picked up that that shine song is, uh, is a favourite of mine. It's in very plain language. I mean, actually, it's often, it's often shorter in the message version, although in that particular passage it's a little bit longer. But I just really wanted to show a couple of ways of looking at what we were talking about earlier and, and, and what the Bible actually says about it. But I'd like to move on now to, to look at, um, at, at a reading from John. And Bruce is going to bring us that. Thanks, Bruce. 
reading from John 1, verses 1 through 18. The Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was a was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the, of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bruce. So we'll ask Colin to put, <coughs> put that reading uh, back on the screen. So if we look back at verse 1, it's, this, is, um, this is John's interpretation of the nativity story. It's not starting when Jesus was born on earth, but right back at the beginning. And it says, The Word became flesh, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, it's worth knowing here that the word, word, there, it, the, the word in the, in the Bible, the original Greek word was logos and it doesn't quite mean the same as the word word that we use or it, it does mean the same but it's a particular interpretation of it so logos is the word that we get ology from and logic so it's a bit more than just a word and it's talking about the word in the sense that Jesus is everything that God wanted to tell us everything that he wanted to explain to us and to reveal to us. As I was um, planning for today, I, I, 
had a look and I found that Aristotle talked about Logos and he described it as something more refined than the capacity to make private feelings public. So with words, we're, you, we use words to say what's, to tell people what's inside and it's a bit more than that. He said it enables human beings to perform as no other animal can. It makes it possible for him to perceive and make clear to others through reasoned discourse the difference between what is advantageous and what is harmful, between what is just and unjust, and between what is good and evil. So, in some respects, when you read John the first time, the, you know why, why is he saying word? It's a bit of a strange choice of word. <laughs> but it's a bit more than that. Well, it's a lot more than that. And when we think of the word as God's revelation, as what God is trying to show us, we start to see that analogy with light. And then in verse 4, if we, yeah, if we move on, oh yeah, in verse 4, sorry, we're there, verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So this is where John starts to talk about life and light. And this and, and the previous few verses there, it's, it's like an echo of the right at the start of the Bible in, in Genesis, the very beginning of Genesis, that, which says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And in the evening, the, and, in, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And what John's trying to say to us there is that God, that Jesus has always been God. Right from the beginning, God is unchanged, the Trinity of God. It, it's hard to get your head around, but, but just to know that Ultimately, God was, God is, God always will be. If we move on to the next slide. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. If you think about walking into a dark room, you can turn the light on, but you can't walk into a light room and turn the dark on darkness can never win then then John starts to talk about himself and he says there was a man sent from God whose name was John and that's what he's, he's saying about himself and if we move on to the next one <clears throat> he came as a witness so he's saying here that he isn't he isn't God he isn't Jesus He's writing this to tell us about Jesus. He's not the light. He's, Jesus is the light. He's writing the book so that we can know about Jesus. But he's not just writing it so that we know about Jesus in an academic sense. If you go right to the end of Mark's gospel, it says, um, Jesus did many things. The very last verse of the very last page of Mark's gospel says, Jesus did many other things as well. If, any one, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have the room for the books that would be written. 
So it's not a history text. What he's trying to tell us is, he's trying to tell us who Jesus is, who God is. And he's telling us so that we might get to know him, so that we might believe. If we move on to the next one in verse 9. John's telling us that Jesus is the true light in the world. But the world doesn't always recognize him. Didn't then and, didn't, and doesn't now. And I think that for me what John is trying to say here is that we've been given free will. We're not forced to believe. We're not forced to, not forced to do anything. It's a choice. We don't have to recognize him or believe in him. But like the, there's a painting by a man called William Holman Hunt and, and we have a print of it in the quiet room if you, if you want to look afterwards. It's called Light of the World. And, and what that painting is about is about Jesus standing outside the door and knocking. But there's no handle on the door. Jesus can't open the door. He won't open the door. But if we open the door, he will come in. And we can ultimately be adopted as God's children. But it's our choice. And if you like the painting, actually the, there are three originals of the light of the world. Um, and one of them is in the Manchester Art Gallery. It's, uh, it's worth a trip if you get the chance. If we move on, yeah, move on again. Uh, yeah, so that that's really about the adoption. So if we move on to verse fourteen, <clears throat> this talking about the Word becoming flesh and living amongst us, and and another bit when you when you sort of look into the Bible, you can read the Bible on so many levels. It's a great story. There's loads of Hollywood films about made from the Bible. There's so much great, great stories in there. But when you start digging, if you like, if you like me, and you like to sort of dig into it a little bit and say, "Well, what does that mean? What does that mean?" and and there's <clears throat> there's mention here that the Word made His dwelling among us. The word "dwelling" in the Bible is uh, is a Greek word, and the word is. Skinu. Now I don't know if I've pronounced that right. It doesn't sound very Greek, so I've probably not pronounced it right at all. S K E N O. And what it literally means is pitch a tent. So Jesus is pitching a tent. And and there's parallels here. There's you know, John's gospel, he has loads of parallels with the Old Testament and things, and there's parallels here with the with the tabernacle in the Old Testament. But I just really like that image of of Jesus getting his tent and coming and pitching it alongside our tent or Perhaps not even alongside, but right in the middle, you know, we're on a big campsite, and he's right in there with us, right in the midst. I just love that that image. And I think that one of the challenges with all Bibles is they're all interpretation. So the, there isn't a word in English that means exactly skinu, just like there isn't a word that means exactly logos and 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 that's two of the words out of hundreds you know there's so many there's so many nuances that it can be quite difficult to get and that's sometimes why when you read different translations 
you can just get a sense of something slightly different maybe. So last night, it was the end of British summertime. Well done everybody for getting here at the right time. The clocks went back an hour. We had an extra hour's sleep or an extra hour's wake, depending on (laughs) how it worked for you. And for some people, the dark nights, they can be a bit depressing. But we know it's only temporary. We know that in a few months it'll be light again. But it's like that in our lives, isn't it? We heard the prayers that, that Rona brought us. And at any time, there's, there's some people who are going through a, a light phase in their life where everything's light and great, you know, new love or, or whatever, or new marriage over there. But there's other times where it's, it's darker, it's harder, it's hard work, it's, it's dark. And I think sometimes when you're in the dark place, it can feel like it's never going to get light again. And I think that that's, that's why Jesus is saying to us, we've got to be the light, we've got to shine, we've got to take away a little bit of that darkness. We've got, we've got, to, we've got to be there for other people. You know, when we saw... When Brian asked us to just greet one another, the smiles, the difference that made for those, those minutes and, and probably all day, just a little bit of an extra glow. And you think just what that little thing can do, what a massive difference we could make just by shining a little bit brighter. Years ago, going back a long time now, before digital cameras and and when cameras you had to put your film in, I used to develop and print my own photographs and I loved it and I had a dark room set up in the loft at my mum and dad's house and I'd spend hours there printing photographs and and as I was thinking about light, that image came to me and I was thinking because when you're printing photographs you can't have any light, it has to be really dark. Now, what, what they do so you can see is there's a, there's a light called a safe light. Most of my printing, I did a little bit of colour printing, but most of it was black and white. And you have like a little red lamp, which is called the safe light. But if you're imagining just a normal room like this lit, but just with a bit of a red cast, it's not. It's a tiny red glow. And you switch, you you go into the dark room, you seal it up and it's dark and you turn the red light on and all you can see is darkness and a tiny little red glow and you think, well, what use is that? And you, over a period of time, and it might take five minutes or so, but over that five minutes, that little red glow kind of fills the room and you can see, you know, it's not, it's not bright and it's not, but you can see and everything comes clear and into focus. And it struck me as I was thinking about this that that's a bit, can be a bit like our lives. You know, you, you, you might be sat here, sat there thinking, well, it's all right for him to say, stand up there and shine, but it's hard work. I don't feel like shining. But really for me, what that was just saying is just even a little shine, just that little saying hello to people, that little greeting it can just make that difference and it can just help to bring things into focus. It, 
it can really make a difference to your day and just that little glow can just stay with you and, and, and make a difference from just being total darkness with no sign of light to that light. Just a little bit of knowing somebody cares, a little bit of happiness, a little bit of knowing you're not on your own. If we move on, I don't, I don't know that there's an awful lot more I want to say about, about the thing. So here when it's talking about John, I think it's talking about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist was saying that, that he wasn't the light either. He's saying the one that came after me, Jesus, is the light because he was before me, which sounds a bit difficult. But when you think about it in context that Jesus is God and Jesus has always been, that, that's where that's going from. And if we, uh, if we move on again. And out of his fullness we have all received grace. In place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. And the truth came through Jesus Christ. So we've had the book of Moses. Moses came a long time obviously before Jesus. With the law, the instructions, the simple things. Do this, don't do that. But what Jesus came to say is, whilst I'm not taking any of that away, that's what you're supposed to do. I'm here to show you who I am, who God is, why the law, why to be the light, the difference that we can make. So I just want to try a little experiment now. Um, and, uh, and where this comes from is I was, um, I was on Facebook the other day and this little meme thing popped up on my, on my screen and, uh, and, it, and, it, and it was, a, it was, a, it was a, a thing that says light casts no shadow. So I'm going to ask Colin to put a, a blank slide on the screen so we get some light and I just want to demonstrate a little bit. So if I hold this match carefully, if I can sort of find the space, you can see the match there. Now the theory is, if I strike the match and make the light on there, you can see a little bit of a, a disturbance with the heat, but there's no shadow from the flame. You can still see the match as the shadow. So I think what that's... What that's saying really is that that light that, that doesn't cast a shadow, it's, it's love, it's compassion, it's care. And we can all be that light. We can take away the shadows. We can be the light that Jesus is calling to be. And there are times we're going to be that light and we're going to shine bright as the sun. And, we're, and that's marvelous. And at other times... We're going to be that photographic safe light. We're going to be a, a faint, tiny glow. But that faint, tiny glow might make the difference in somebody else's life. And obviously we're going to be every shade between those two. So when we started, I spoke about Halloween. Well, I didn't really speak about Halloween. I mentioned Halloween. 
And I just wanted to say a little bit more, because I think sometimes as Christians, Halloween can be hard work. We're not sure what to do. And, and, and it's, it's hard work because everything else in my notes you'll see is, is printed. And you'll see that this is written in pencil crayon because I've rewritten it several times before I came, several times since I've been here this morning, because it is hard work, you know. There's practical worries about Halloween. There's, there's worries about overzealous teenagers trick-or-treating. Are they going to scratch your car? Are they going to throw eggs at your house? It can be a bit frightening, a bit intimidating. There's worries about what costumes is it appropriate to wear. It gets worse. There's worries about celebrating darkness. You know, we're just talking about light. But this week, there's a load of people going to be celebrating darkness. But I think sometimes, you know, we think about Halloween. We don't think about why Halloween. So Halloween, is you, you probably know, is a, is a shortening of All Hallows' Eve. And All Hallows' Eve is an old way of saying the evening before All Saints' Day. And All Saints' Day is a celebration a celebration of the victory of good over evil, a celebration of the hope, of the light that Jesus came to give us eternal life. It's why it's there. The reason we have Halloween is, is because that's the darkness before the next day, which is the victory of the light. And unfortunately, I think what's happened in sort of popular culture is that we celebrate the darkness bit, have a bit of fun, or some fun for some people but we forget the light the victory the the joy of the next day and it's a really you know such a a joyful thing so I'm not going to advise you whether to dress up I'm not going to advise you whether to carve a pumpkin decide that yourself I'm not even going to say whether you should trick or treat that's up to you as well but what I'll say is whatever you do remember that it's all about the victory of light over dark of love over fear and hate remember whatever you do to be the light to shine remember whatever you do the fantastic opportunity it is to talk about your faith to talk about what it really means and remember that it's a great chance to invite people to come to church and find out more about saints and hallows and and all of that so that's a long way of saying Jesus wants us to be the light so before we finish with our final worship songs shall we pray together Father we thank you for your word We thank you for your word, whether we read the Bible in depth in lots of versions and study it, or whether we get your whether we engage with your word through again. We thank you for giving us the chance to be the light in your world. As a church, the chance to be a little bit of light to Syrian refugees with some warm blankets.
a chance to be a little bit of light for those struggling for food with the food bank and the homeless and our, and our harvest festival. A little bit of light soon for children at Christmas who might not get a Christmas present to be able to fill a shoebox. A little bit of light to each other in this room. A little bit of light when we greet each other. And a little bit of light in our community. And Father, as individuals, we thank you for the chance to be a little bit of light gently spreading your light spreading your word throughout our lives and father we are sorry for those times we haven't shone with your light amen